0: Everyone and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Shu Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. And Derek, what can you say? This weekend, the largest shutout win in MLR history goes to the Arrows. I mean, what did you make of this game?
1: Oh man, uh, obviously a delightful game to watch. Uh, it was, uh, you know. You can't really ask for much more, other than uh, you know, fifty-seven, nothing. I know the boys seemed like they were the most proud of the uh, the zero at the other end of the scoreboard than the fifty, which uh, you know, obviously, it's the signs of a good defensive performance. And uh, you know, I just, I, I just uh, want to say, I like, I, I thank the arrows greatly for taking my mind off of that disaster of a hockey team um, that was playing down the street for uh, for a few hours before. Uh, unfortunately, the arrows game ended with about a with about a period left to play, so um ended up uh that was actually kind of, i thought it was actually really cool that the arrows uh for the post-game social kind of threw it up on the scoreboard after and uh you know whole uh whole crowd of people sticking around after the game to watch the uh, the end of the leaf game and unfortunately very uh a result that is completely the opposite of uh the arrows game in the sense that it was in another disappointing first round exit for the maple leafs but uh um it's cool to see kind of everybody sticking around and uh uh, at the end of the game, so you know another big plus for the arrows. Uh, match day atmosphere and experience. Um, the uh, the arrows put an Austin Matthews jersey on the bench for this game. It seemed to bring uh, seemed to bring the arrows uh, a bit of luck, especially uh, they scored at the pace that Austin Matthews is accustomed to scoring at during this game. So mm-hmm. that goes. worked out well, I think. Uh, and ultimately, I just think the biggest issue is that um, the. The Toronto Maple Leafs didn't uh, didn't put a Sam Malcolm or Lucas Rumball or a Mike Shepard jersey on their bench. So, um,
0: see no dedication to the city whatsoever.
1: Yeah, exactly. If there was, you know, if if honestly, like, if there was like a James O'Neill jersey sitting on that bench, actually, James O'Neill is a Canucks fan or uh, not a Canucks fan. James O'Neill plays for the Calgary Canucks, but he's a Flames fan because he's from Calgary. uh, Who is probably the happiest of the Arrow Hockey fans right now? But um, yeah, I guess. um, yeah, like if they uh, you know, if they want to put a uh, I don't know, a uh, Jack McRogers jersey on the uh the bench, get that city jersey from the auction and uh with the city skyline there, that probably would have won the game. So, that's all. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Yes, yeah, so things that they need to improve
1: on for next season. More Arrows jerseys. More Arrows games. jerseys on the bench, yeah. That'll yeah. fix it. I'm here all day, Dubas, if you need any help.
0: Well, um, I think we we've obviously started by talking about the uh, arrows game and and done like any uh, of our episodes, we've gone into a different sport entirely. But let's get back to the <laughs> you know, actual you know game what, itself.
1: Though? Is ice artificial water? Is that is that like a bridge there?
0: No, no, that's oh. a, that's a different state of water. It's a different state as, of
1: water. Okay, I tried I as, as, tried as bring... my
0: elementary school science would have taught me, but um,
1: I tried to bring you back into that.
0: Anyway, let's um, talk about the game, because when the lineup was announced, um, a few things were brought into consideration. So a number of players were rested because there's a very short turnaround. This is basically similar to, um, you know, like rounds one, two of this season where the Arrows were playing on the Sunday night and then the next game was on the Friday night at Starlight Stadium. So, you know, the um, two weekends in which the Arrows have to have a quick turnaround, which means they have to. Players out. So, you know, uh, Mike Shepard, Lucas Rumble, Sam Malcolm, all of them uh, were off for this game, which meant the uh, Captain Armband went to uh, Giuseppe Toy, and Jack McRogers taking on the vice captain duties. Um, and, you know, a pretty different lineup, which, and I think it is just circumstantial because you're going from a team in MLR that has yet to win a game.
1: Very depleted team that has yet to win a game at that, too.
0: Yeah. To a team that is um, on a 10 match winning streak that you're <laughs> looking to end. You know, you have to balance the players that, um, I think it was early on this game, uh, Tommy De La Vega, I think he went off for a head injury assessment, and uh, Ronan Foley came onto the pitch during the first half. Um, and then Foley himself, because we know that Foley's been such a phenomenal player and they will likely want to be selected for the game against New England. He himself um, got substituted off, uh, I believe, midway through the second half. Uh, I'm sure you have all the uh, stats and information of uh, the player changing during this game. Who, but, uh, who do you want to know when, when who came off? Uh, when, first of all, when Foley came on and then when he came off.
1: Oh, yeah. uh, He came on just before he scored the try. And then he came off around, I think, around 10 minutes left when Bailey came on. And then they shifted Mick Rogers. They shifted Mick Rogers over to Flanker for, like, the last... They had two hookers on the field, basically, for the last 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. That does make sense. Um, But, yeah. So, as you can tell by
0: having uh, those kind of... You know, a different uh, starting lineup. that um, Good... uh, also good to see back in the starting lineup of uh, Ross Brody. You know, as soon as he uh, caught the ball and got immediately hit by Dallas Jackals players, you know, giving him a warm welcome back to MLR
1: competition. Yeah, got that knee tested out early. A couple big runs.
0: Yeah, and then uh, ninth minute, had the penalty, quick tap, and then over for the first try of the game. First of eight tries this game, wasn't it, Eric?
1: Yeah, Brody uh, Brody scored pretty quick. I mean, he... Uh, like. He said it's like it's obviously great to see him back especially given the arrow scrum half situation all the injuries that they've had and you know it's nice to see um the their best scrum half back the guy that they you know would be their first choice scrum half back and you know he played 40 minutes i thought uh peter smith did a really good job in this game just kind of managing players game time um as you mentioned Stu, there's going to be a very short week um coming up so i think that's important to do and i think um I think Smith did that well during this game. Um, but, yeah, Brody Brody scored that for opening try, and it was just, you know, there was that line-out play where he there was just a massive gap that opened up in the Dallas defense right away that allowed Brody to run down and put the arrows in the position to score anyways, and then he obviously on the quick tap to kind of finish it off. And then, yeah, just after that, it's just the floodgates opened. Yeah. And it's – uh yeah, so O'Neill scores a try. Um, there was a the Mirez try that got called back. That I feel like a jerk for complaining about it being called back because they won fifty-seven nothing. But tie, mm-hmm. point differential is a tiebreaker, and this is a very tight playoff race. So mm-hmm. I, did, all the tries matter. Um, so Mirez kind of scored a try that looked like it, sh- it definitely should have. In my mind, it should have counted. My arrows colored glasses. It should have counted. Um, but got called back, unfortunately. But it was just like another that that was play was another example. Like I think that was a box kick to Mirez, and just Mirez just ran ran it back untouched until the end. Um, but you have that, and then James O'Neill got his first MLR try you know, off a, of, off a of mall, which was really nice. And then uh, Brody hit the toy with a beautiful, like flat pass that the toy, you know, easily grounded after another play that had a, you know, nice inside ball from Roland Wadden has a huge break. Wadden offloads to, or uh, passes it off to Foley fully finishes that try. Mirez um, gets his try right after these, all these tries like looking at it are like literally like three, four minutes apart from each other. Um, The whole pace of the first half, Lonnie Faleva um, gets his fourth try in in three games, just absolutely on fire and playing out of his goddamn mind Um, and all other areas of the game too. just insane carries. Um, He had that one hit that just annihilated. I can't even remember who it was, but you could hear it up in the press box. It was insane. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, so they go into the and then Will Kelly was incredibly accurate, too. He finished the game. Um eight for nine off the tee, So seven conversions, one penalty. But um and then Mick Rogers just icing the game. Um, I guess here in Faleva's uh footsteps on the uh the team try leaderboard. So he had to uh take it <laughs> upon himself to get that spot back by uh you know putting up a uh, a two-try game um in the second half. But yeah, it was just yeah, man. I mean, I guess that's that's about how you sum this game up, man. It was uh, you know one of those games where the turning point was uh the arrows arrived safely to the stadium and that's uh the the game basically went downhill from there for the jackals um but it's yeah i mean i like there's uh not not much you can complain about from the arrows perspective basically a perfect game i think like i have mentioned the um you know they uh, they seemed really proud of the fact that they they put uh put up a clean sheet nice um sh- for their first shutout this season Um, I think this is what the second team that's been blanked all year. I think um, the Guiltini's killed New York one game. Yeah. Um, Right. So um, that was good, but it's like, you can kind of tell because it's like Dallas to their credit really uh, kept on battling throughout this game too. And um, there was a couple moments in the final, like five minutes where um, they looked like, you know, they were kind of, they were, uh, you know, putting up a possible like scoring threat. Right. And, Um, Andrew Quatran came away with a nice breakdown steal at the end of the game to seal it. And, uh, you can kind of see a bit of emotion on the, on the boys. You can kind of tell that, uh, you know, putting, you know, holding Dallas to that zero, uh, meant a lot. And as I mentioned with the, the playoff race, the way it is, um, you know, points differential is one of the tiebreakers. So a big 57, nothing win, um, could come into play later this year, but, um, yeah, I guess I guess that kind of sums the game up. Um, Stu, any any players you want to kind of dive a little bit deeper on, or any thoughts on Dallas or as well? Because I mean, obviously they've had a bit of a rough campaign.
0: Yeah, I mean Dallas. Like if they had uh, if they had if they didn't have bad luck, they'd have no luck whatsoever. Uh, and- um, but something I do want to mention is um, Dallas's two remaining fit Canadians were in this match. That was Liam Murray and Duol Kotze. Mm-hmm. And after the game, I did see them um, chatting with um, other Pacific Pride alumni yeah. like
1: James O'Neill and Vicky Lani. So, you
0: know, always
1: good to catch up with friends and stuff. Yeah, there's a nice picture up on um, Leah Murray's Instagram page of uh, all the Pacific Pride guys from this game. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's always good to see.
1: I think the f- I'd say like the first
0: half was probably perfect. You know, obviously you want uh, that Reds uh, his first – uh, try to count as well. I was gonna say, uh,
1: shockingly, his first try this year. I know he's been hurt for
0: a yeah, chunk of the season,
1: too, but it's seems like, yeah. a, like an awfully long time for uh, yeah. for his first try of the year. Well,
0: but. you know, he still has uh, a few rounds left to take that top spot in the yeah. try score. You know, there we go. yeah, Jack McGrath, four, four tries each game between now and the end of the season. I'm not saying yeah. it's gonna happen, but I'm also saying it's not impossible either. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, scoring, getting four tries between uh, James O'Neill, DeToy, Foley, and Mirez, that was in the space of nine minutes of game time. Like, you know, absolutely
1: fantastic. And, 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 and I mean, you can also add in that Mirez try that got disallowed too. Like that. Yeah, so have... that would then be five
0: tries if that, yeah, was, that was counted. It's, that so was yeah, wild. I mean, you know, but then going into the second half, it seemed to be a case of like, okay, guys, we've done the job we need to do all we need to do now is focus on defense attack is you know it's still there but we don't need to now that we've got the bonus point you mean i mean it's only four tries and a bonus point it's not eight tries and two bonus points which mm-hmm. uh you know maybe we should uh, consider that for next season of <laughs> h-, h-, h
1: you have more get rid of the losing bonus point have a more bo- more bonus points for the more tries you give you put up it's like a sliding scale um, yeah that's
0: Yeah, you know, uh, get if you get eight tries, you get uh, two bonus points. I think. uh, There you go. Yeah, um, that's it. Um, But I also feel like there was uh, opportunities in the second half that went missing. Now you can always say that. Oh, you know, when you're already what was it? Half time, like 41 forty-nil up. Yeah. Yeah, forty-three nil up at half time. Then you know you have the opportunity to, you know, experiment and yeah. yeah, and you know, and if things don't work, it's not the end of the world. You know, it's just a, it's a scrum to your opposition, but you know you have the capabilities within you to get the ball back and prevent scoring. But so, I mean, I think there were two instances where Matt Hood. Um, you know, after getting his most, the most meters, an Arrows player has accumulated in one match, had two uh, opportunities to like offload the ball and maybe there could have been like more Arrows tries, but um, instead he just went into contact and, you know, that was kind of, you know, disappointing to watch As in like, you know, maybe if those chances um, had uh, come about, then, you know, it would have been even... Uh, bigger score tally than what we're already talking about. It was 57 nothing, Stu. It's fine. I know. I know. But that's that's the thing. If I'm picking up on this, then certainly the coaches are as well because it'll be... Now you you could also go the other way and say, oh, we knew we could offload it like that, but we didn't want to give the other teams like Atlanta, New England, DC. (laughs) We didn't want to give them an insight into what we're doing. We want to,
1: you know, Lull them into a false sense of security and have
0: them take over. I think Um, think
1: Dallas played a little bit better in the second half, too. I think they were able to, uh, you know, maintain a bit of possession and stuff. I think they were a little bit more competitive in the second half. Yeah. Um, And and a bad luck to like Jalen Tatum, who um, was hobbled
0: off. He was really good to start that game, too. Him and Roderick Waters. Also, great to see Roderick Waters back in MLR after being cut from Austin from
1: last year. Um, yeah. but yeah no they were those, those wingers were like there's, there's a couple guys on um on Dallas like i thought like naposki looks like you know he like he seems like he's pretty dangerous uh, like with the ball in hand and i mean it's uh right and like you know he had some nice runs that all ultimately got shut down i thought um jack uh their op- their open side flanker jack uh, Palusek, um i thought he, you know at least you know he he made a lot of tackles. he made a decent chunk of tackles he looked like he had a high work rate and stuff too same with carter like they were involved in the game it's just i think i think for me like looking at this this roster that they have and i mean all the things that they've been dealing this with this year and obviously that um that walkway accident and then um listening to the broadcast after the game they were mentioning there was some issues with uh all chunk of players coming to canada whether that's um unvaccinated status or uh visa issues um is like it and i think looking at this it's like it looks it's a very makeshift like roster and i mean yeah, to the yeah. to the extent where like the gm's husband was one of the players that got called up to yeah. play right so it's like um elaine Vasi's like has to recruit her family in order to in order to fill out a roster to play this game, right? So yeah. um like that's kind of where they're at right now. And I mean, I guess, you know, credit to the jackals for finding a way to, you know, get 23 guys and stuff and uh, you know, keep fighting on this season. But you can kind of tell that it's like it's um definitely uh like even through this game and stuff, it definitely looks like a team that hasn't played together very much, if at all, really.
0: Yeah. Um, it was something try I remember to figure it out. I remember and, on Dallas's social media they were saying that four um players we're playing in MLR for the first time, which There's may five, be five guys five. playing MLR. Oh wow.
1: Five guys plus two guys making their jackals debut. Yeah. So,
0: so it's like,
1: yeah. And it's uh yeah. yeah. So it's like it's it's such a uh uh like it's it's tough to as in all honesty, it's like it's it's I don't know, it's it's a it's tough to watch sometimes because they're just they're getting annihilated like. Uh, I mean, they're probably. I mean, they got to play L.A. and Utah, right? I mean, I know Utah's out of a playoff spot now, but like, gee, like yeah. they got to play L.A. man, um, next week, like,
0: yeah, I um, mean
1: cool, cool bet for this game. Had the um the spread set at forty two and a half. The arrows mm-hmm. bro- beat that in the arrows covered that in the first half of the game.
0: Yeah, whatever,
1: like. Like I don't like I don't even know what the spread is going to look like for for LA next week, like one of the most yeah. high flying offensive teams in the league.
0: Well, then again, it like, may be that LA now that then so they're not in a confirmed position
1: for no, yeah, way. they still got to clinch. Because they, yeah, I mean that's their well, that's again though that's their opportunity, right? They can clinch yeah. and then if they put up a point differential that can move, like they could, they could still catch Austin, right? So like. I mean, yeah. I well, like they're still playing for that. So it's like, I don't think, are, hang
0: on, let me just have a quick scan of the schedule. You. I, was so, say, I don't
1: think you're, they're getting like yeah. a light Guiltini's yeah. team next week. Cause I think like Guiltini still have a lot to play for.
0: Like, know, they may, they may pick, um you know, some guys that haven't been playing might, that much like. Um, they might, they
1: might rest guys. Uh, I mean, that's, they might, they very well might, but it's like, you know what i mean like you kind of look at like the past couple games and i mean like what they lost what 74 to 7 against seattle last week they lost 57 yeah. nothing this week um i think they lo- they lost by 50 plus the week before too didn't they like yeah um, it's uh, it it's um i yeah, if, like if, it's just if it's, Dallas it's had any, Dallas have any
0: saving braces, it's the fact that um they'll play la and then they have a bye week and then they yeah. play Utah to end the season.
1: So their last one, two, three, four. So their last five games, they've given up 57, 74, 53, 50, and 57. They've given up more yeah. than 50 points in five games in a row. And like the the closest game of that was they lost to San Diego 53-14 is the closest game yeah. of that. And then you have two. Against Austin, they only had three points, and against Toronto, they got completely shut out. Right, so it's like,
0: yeah.
1: um, At the like, I mean, at the start of the year, like when they had, I guess, like their proper roster, like there's some close games at the start of the year. But now it's just, yeah, it's, I thought it's it's uh it's tough to watch sometimes, and I mean, uh, like good on everybody on that that organization, like trying your best to you know the team through the season and uh, build that fan base. And I mean, all the respect in the world to the, uh, the Dallas Jackals fans that keep showing up and keep watching the games to uh, um, as well, man, it's like, those are um, some passionate fans that they, they seem to yeah. have there. So I'm um, uh, hopefully, yeah, it's a, uh, it's yeah, it's a, it's just, it's a tough year. And I know some, some of that's circumstances that are out of their control, but yeah. um, tough goal for the first year in MLR, but um. So yeah, uh back to the back to the arrows though. Um, I thought a lot of guys played really well in this game, too. Like uh, like I said, I think I think they can take a uh I, a lot of pride in the fact that they didn't allow any points. Um, there was very few gaps that opened up ever. And if they did, um there was always somebody that seemed to come over, sweep over and make a nice tackle covering that gap.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you know, it was a very solid defensive line. The set piece was great. Wadden was, uh, Wadden picking up a couple of line getting his first start of the year as Mike Shepard was being rested. Um, Wadden also had that nice try assist on Foley's try. I thought he had a great game. Um, the entire front row, um, I thought was outstanding. Faleva, we mentioned men of the match performance. Um, he's been maybe arguably the best player in MLR over the past, like three weeks, um, and you know, Mick Rogers picking up a couple tries, but he was also super involved with in the breakdown. He led the team in tackles during this game. Roland was really active, very involved in the breakdown. He had a nice that nice pass to set up Wadden that set up Foley for that try, too. Um, so you know, contributing in all facets of the game. Foley still obviously continues to be an absolute monster. Um, you know, it was nice to see uh Mirez back doing some damage to a team. Hood was running as you mentioned, just running all over the Jackals in this game, Brody played really well, um, in his first game back, Reimer came on and did well in the second half. Um, Detoy was doing well in the centers. I like McCann at center. I thought he played a good game for his first pro game at center. Um, you know, so it's, a uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of good things really happened in this game for the, for the Toronto Euros. It was nice to get that big win. And then, you know, it's, uh, it's shaping up, uh, pretty nicely. I mean, it's, uh, you know you probably still need some help but the more the more you win the more it's kind of in your own hands here and i think uh looking at the schedule for for next week so obviously the uh the arrows have new england on thursday night which mm-hmm. is going to be which is a, obviously a massive game right they're all massive at this point so yeah. the arrows got new england on thursday night and then on what's the 22nd is that sunday it's New York hosting Atlanta, so
0: yeah,
1: um, someone's got to lose that, right? So yeah, um, hopefully, I mean, maybe for math purposes, hopefully it's Atlanta, I guess, um, but like, yeah, someone's got to lose that, and then let's say like, then the next game is gonna be like the, the Fire and Ice Cup. Fire and Ice Cup, Toronto, Atlanta, like, I mean, the, Atlanta obviously is on a slide right now. Yeah. Uh, they've lost three in a row, so I mean, if that continues, like, um, you know, like this, this, uh, they're definitely not out of it yet, man. There's a, you know, they got to beat New England though, so that's gonna be a, yeah. that's gonna be a tough task next week, you know. But I guess you got guys like Rumble Shepherd um, rested up. Hopefully, Malcolm, you know, just a brief injury that's uh worth, you know, just kind of resting that there. Um, who knows? Maybe Jamie McKenzie coming in with uh some some reinforcements. Um, yeah. but uh, it, you know, it should be a good one. Obviously uh, the free, it's going to be the free Jack's first trip north of the border too. our first time getting to see uh, Josh Larson yeah. and the massive Canadian contingent that they have over there.
0: Yeah. The Mounties are finally coming uh, back to the great White North and uh, something you just mentioned that uh, we need to pick up. Obviously the arrows have had um, issues at scrum half this season, you know, just seems to be in, Injury curse over the 9 jersey. Well, we were joking before about Jamie McKenzie, you know, maybe pushing off retirement a little bit longer. And now it's been confirmed that he has come out of retirement to play for the Arrows until the end of the season, whether that's in round 18 or in the playoff race. But, you know, it's great to see uh, Jamie McKenzie. Um, Hopefully we'll get to see him in the blue and white once more. And he can uh, do some... Uh scrum half magic, you know, maybe uh snipe over for a try just to cap off his return from retirement. Um and yeah, it was uh you know, obviously with the uh transfer and signing deadline being last Monday. Yeah. Obviously these these decisions are made behind closed doors beforehand and then announced nearer the time. Yeah. So I mean it, I think uh I yeah, think it's, it's a- been interesting to see.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really smart move in all honesty. Like, I mean, obviously, the uh, the arrows have been decimated by the scrum half position. So it's, you know, you can pick up a guy like Jamie McKenzie that's, you know, been around, the, obviously, is a scrum half that's had a, a long and great career. But, you know, despite being retired, he's obviously been around the team a lot, Um, has, you know, calling the games for TSN. He knows the system. Um, He's played uh, two games for Balmy Beach so far this year Um, to get, uh, you know, get some uh, some game time back under him. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll see a little bit of them, you know, maybe against new England, maybe later on in the year, but um, you know, he's a, he's a great player and I look forward to seeing uh, one of the, uh, the OG arrows, uh, you know, back on the pitch.
0: And unfortunately we have to pass on some news that was announced today of a different player, a former um Arrow original uh, Theo Soda had had to announce his retirement from rugby due to injury Theo obviously played for the Arrows he also uh, represented Canada at the men's rugby world cup in 2019 he's uh, been part of the Canada 7s uh, team on the world 7 series and has also represented Canada at the Olympics in Tokyo and, you know, it's uh, it was announced today and it's always disappointing when a player has to retire due to injury. You know, some people have even been saying that they'd hoped that he would uh, return to MLR possibly after the Commonwealth Games, but unfortunately he's um, suffered injuries, he's suffered concussions and, you know, he, he said that he wanted to continue, but unfortunately he has to listen to his body and think about the long-term. Uh, implications and has decided to hang up the boots. So Theo, shame to see you go, but thank you for everything you've done both in the Arrows jersey and in the Canada jersey as well. And we wish you all the best in the next step of your life. Now, uh, some news about the Arrows Academy has come up and it is a new competition coming out, which is the Coast to Coast Cup, which will be between the Arrows Senior Academy The Atlantic Selects and the Canada West Selects. And the Coast to Coast Cup will take place between May and June. Um, All of these matches will be held out in Nova Scotia. So basically Atlantic Selects home turf. And it starts on May 28th with the Atlantic Selects versus the Senior Academy. Then on May 31st, it is Canada West Selects versus the Senior Academy. And finishes on June 4th between the Atlantic Selects and the Canada West Selects. And speaking of the Canada West Selects, they were playing a game against the American Raptors on the Saturday. So, you know, conveniently, just before the uh, Arrows kicked off, we were able to watch um, some of the upcoming players for both uh, Canada and America. Uh, it was divided into
1: two 40-minute games, I believe. So, and... it, was like, it was like a full 80-minute game, but Canada West Selects used two different... Full different 15s in each half. So it's like mm-hmm. the rap like posted a final score of 40 to 17 for the 80 yeah. minutes. But like the first half was the mainland team, and then the second half was the Vancouver Island team.
0: Okay.
1: So it's it was like one game, but like and then the uh mainland and Vancouver Island played like a like a 30-minute or some odd game after too. Um so that's I guess that's kind of the way that they did that. I could to probably just get more uh, more guys some game time before um, you know, under the the uh, development a little bit. But uh yeah, the the Raptors were actually winning winning this game at one point twelve nothing before uh uh mainland came back initially or mainland came back initially. Um so they were up f- um sorry, the island was the first team in the first half. So the island came back and it was fourteen twelve by the end of the first half, and then the mainland um in their 40 minutes won. We're up twenty six five for the total of forty to seventeen. Um, so I mean, it's uh, I think overall though, like it's it's really exciting to see a tournament or a competition like this taking place. I Believe the Arrows Academy play um New England um next Saturday as well in Oakville. Um, so they're going to get a little bit of game time too before heading out east. I think it's a really important thing to have. It's nice to see like, was you know, at the end of the day, there's only so many M L R spots. And, you know, there's um, they're they're tough to come by. Right. It's the best league on the continent. And, you know, it's it's a difficult league to to break and get into. So I think it's it's great to see that, you know, where Canada is developing like this, uh, an elite level competition where guys can use it as like a stepping stone to get to MLR through like the Eros academy or through playing for the canada west selects um slash you know coastal cup all-star team and uh the atlantic selects as well right so um you know playing some representative rugby you know, across the country so it's it's great to see it's great to see these uh, all these teams coming together getting some competition for everybody and putting more players in a high performance environment right which is only going to benefit uh well, any of the MLR teams that are looking to pick up some some players as reinforcements or um, any new signings. So you're going to have more guys playing at a high level, especially the Toronto Arrows uh, with a lot of this being in Canada. And, you know, it obviously benefits rugby Canada a lot to get more guys, you um, know, in, in a high performance environment more often. So um, great to see that this competition's coming up and uh, looking forward to watching it. You can also watch the uh, Candace West Selects versus the Raptors game on YouTube as well. I think it's on the the UBC Thunderbirds YouTube channel. So go check it out.
0: All right, from Academy Games on to the rest of Round 15 in MLR. We start up with a battle for the East between New England and Atlanta. And, you know, it's... I don't know what it is about New England, but apparently when they pay other Eastern teams or other Eastern teams that are trying to make the playoffs, it's always really close games. Because... New England, um, Atlanta. The final score was New England fifteen, Atlanta ten. So New England, as we mentioned before, now on a ten-match winning streak. Atlanta mm-hmm. still in their losing slump. But this seemed to be a game to expose um, tempers more than anything else.
1: Oh uh, man, yeah. Is there in, enough cards in this game, or what?
0: Yeah, that five yellow cards, one of which should have been a red. That uh,
1: yeah, uh, the McDowell hit on keys yeah yeah it should have been a red because it was on a canadian anyways but yeah but that's a that alone should have got it a red um but yeah no in all seriousness though no, i agree with you i don't that was like that was head to head i don't know how that was i don't know how that was it just a yellow but i mean and then uh to, i guess if you're an atlanta fan i guess your big beef is that uh mcdowell scores the uh, game-winning try later as well right so
0: yeah yeah. No. But, um, um,
1: but yeah, I think what a hold on. How many cards did we have?
0: Five. So, five, yeah. um, uh, so Peretti, McDowell, Larson, Momsen, and Dom. Yeah, well, per-
1: Peretti and Momsen had that. That that was like an off yeah. that was like a hockey penalty. That was like the offsetting, like fighting major or whatever. Yeah. Both guys go, but it was uh, yeah, 14 on 14 for 10 minutes there. That was uh, that was that was kind of wild. Yeah, five. Car- is that is that a record? we got to get James on that. That's a, yeah, that's a lot yeah. of cards.
0: Yeah, I'm sure James Dealey will. James uh, Dealey,
1: text us, let us know, is that the most cards in a game? That's like, I mean, if you really break that down too, that is, like you said, that's 50 minutes of this game was not played 15 on 15, at least. Yeah. At least how so, these separated, yeah. Like, so, uh,
0: so, yeah, Dom um, got his uh, yellow card in the 38th minute. So, yeah. was, And then McDowell got his on the 52nd. And then... As soon as McDowell gets back on the field, Larson then gets a yellow card.
1: Yeah, yeah, very, very wild. Um, yeah, very wild. And then, like you said, it's like uh, that McDowell one. I guess that's the uh, the controversy around the game, right? Should that have been a red card? And then, you know, he scores the uh, the the match-winning try in the seventy-fifth minute, right? Yeah. So, uh, and then I guess uh, Delavega Mendina has the um, the late penalty that brings Atlanta within the the losing bonus point so they maintain I believe it is what now a seven point lead on the uh, Toronto Arrows for that final playoff spot definitely uh, the t- the arrows are in reach still Ben they are not in, in reach but they uh, definitely uh, they, not out of this they're not out of th-
0: they're not out of this but unfortunately neither are rugby ATL I mean obviously we can hope they keep losing but
1: uh, mm-hmm. yeah they have know.
0: not been good lately but uh, yeah not, I, I have a feeling that um fire a nice cup will determine
1: who oh that's yeah it's uh, playoff that's probably gonna be what it is like i mean i feel like no, no matter what the result is next week um you know the week coming up here it's like it seems like that's gonna be the game that it comes down to it's gonna be the the, yeah, the Fire and Ice Cup, right? So the Arrows probably – I think the Arrows really need to win this week. Um, we'll see what happens with Atlanta. I mean, the Arrows can't really afford to lose at all because they're they're seven points back, right? So that that alone is two wins. Like, you need at least two wins out of that. Yeah. So, um, right, so that'll be interesting. But, uh, yeah, what a wild, wild physical, really ill-tempered game um, yeah. in New England who still hasn't lost at home in their franchise history. Kind of
0: wild too. All right. Now we move on to because unfortunately, after the Arrows kicked off an hour later, we had two games going at the exact same time. Uh, but
1: we'll talk about uh, one and the Leaf game. That was wild trying to keep up with everything.
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, no one really cares about the Leaf. No one cares about hockey in Canada. Come on. <laughs>
1: um, so I, didn't, it, that was, I did p- love the fact that uh, the Canadian Saturday night viewing, you got to choose between Hockey Night Canada in Canada and the Toronto Arrows game. Sportsnet with Hockey Night in Canada and then uh, TSN Rocking the uh, rocking the Arrows on their main national channel. It's kind of awesome.
0: All right, back to the rugby. So let's go out west because it was Houston um, hosting Utah. And even before everything kicked off, this um, was the first MLR game ever to be broadcast in Spanish. So, you know, expanding the audience, obviously Texas having a – pretty uh, predominant Spanish-speaking uh, population. So, you know, getting uh, more eyes on the product is always a good thing, in my opinion. Um, but this was an incredibly close game. You know, the lead going back and forth throughout entirely uh, throughout its entirety. It was, you know, it was an absolute thrill. This was a game, compared to the last game and the other game we'll talk about, was the one which had actual drama and tension throughout it. There wasn't... A blowout lead or anything like that, you're just on the edge of your seat throughout. But, um, no, this was a game that Utah um, needed to win and needed to get like the bonus point win as well. Um, but, you know, Houston were pretty much in the driving seat getting the first, uh, well, uh, they got the first try. Utah got a penalty within like uh, the first five minutes, I believe, and then Coatser got uh, the first try. Um, and then we had well, Van der Schiff get uh, the second in uh, 10 minutes later. And then, yeah, Utah got back into this game and, you know, they scored two tries within three minutes of each other. But then Imura got another try as well. Uh, and then in the second half, there was just a bit of, like, and I mean, Zach Pangolinan's try was caused by just handling errors from Utah and just optimising from and to get that easy seven-pointer, which uh, also secured Houston a tri-bonus point as well. Um, but yeah, and this loss means that Bo- uh, Utah is officially out of uh, playoff contention and, man, I had the might have fallen. The team that finished second in the West last year now mm-hmm. finishes second last of well, had the potential to finish second last in the West this
1: season. The final score: Houston thirty-one, Utah twenty-seven. Yeah, and uh, Houston kind of the opposite of Utah, right? Like one of the uh, one of the worst teams in the league last year. Now they're uh, they look like they're kind of, I guess they're in a real tight playoff race with San Diego and Seattle. But um, they kind of, especially since they have a game in hand on both of them, they kind of look like they might have a bit of an edge right now. So could be well on their way to their first playoff appearance. And for my money, probably have the best city jersey that the MLR has released so far this year. The space motif, the astronaut in the skyline. That was, uh, that was an unreal look um, from those Sabercats, who I've always thought have had one of the best kits in the league, but their home and away kind of disappointed me this year. So nice to see them bounce back with an unreal city kit.
0: Yeah, I mean, that uh, city jersey is just a thing of beauty, probably the best. Of the uh, city, and there seem to be a lot of city jerseys. There's a lot of really nice city jerseys this yeah. So
1: yeah, they did it. They did a good yeah. job. New Orleans um had a really nice one too. Uh, the Mardi Gras with the skyline that looked really good. Um, yeah, no, I've it's a- also
0: some of the men Dallas were wearing their city jersey when they uh, yeah, played Dallas was wearing football. their city
1: jersey up here. I like Dallas's city jersey, although it doesn't look quite different enough from their regular jersey. It's just like the gradient seems to have a little bit of a different shape, but um. I like Dallas's jerseys overall this season. have really grown on me. Um, even San Diego, San Diego is wearing like a camouflage military appreciation jersey. So it was a big, uh, a big uh, kit nerd weekend this week.
0: Uh, speaking of uh, NOLA city jersey, we uh, head down to Louisiana to talk about uh, their return to uh, the gold mine. And you know, you know, Derek, I think we uh, jinxed it by saying that. Um, Nola have yet to win a game at home.
1: Yeah. yeah well, they
0: certainly, uh, they certainly took their uh, time showing it. But the, man, did they get the win this time? Pado tools scoring a try in the second minute. Nola getting three tries within the first ten minutes. But we have to mention uh, the Canadian contribution of Luke Campbell scoring for DC, getting them on the board, and that was in the twentieth minute. So you know, just before the hydration break, just showing that they still had some fight in them for this match. Unfortunately, uh, two minutes later, Harry Wheeler scores the first of his hat-trick of tries and secures the try bonus point for Nola. And, you know, Nola were just in control from this point onwards. It seemed as though... um, The Saka got uh, a try for the 37th minute for DC and then Saifaloi... Um, got a try right at the death on the 80th minute um, by which point it was obviously too late and you know, as I mentioned uh, Weaver got a hat trick he uh, got his second try in the 66th minute and then uh, followed up with the third in the 70th minute and yeah it was just an absolute shocker from Nola to actually win a game at home (laughs) win a game at home yeah
1: yeah yep. i know now they're they're one in six the, uh so that's uh that's good it's nice to ni- nice to get some uh big dub for uh for their home fans that have been coming out and hey, you said shout out to luke campbell nice run off the uh the eight man pick from the back of a scrum there actually i think the scrum um there was a penalty and he did a little quick tap at the back of the scrum uh but crashed through a couple nola defenders and uh picked up picked up a very nice try and you know, kind of interesting. It's like uh you know, as we're getting to the, the end of the season as it's winding down, this uh this was kind of really the only game that doesn't have uh that big of an impact on uh, the playoffs, seeing as uh Nola and DC have both been eliminated. But uh still some entertaining rugby to be played between the two clubs though.
0: Yeah, you gotta still uh still have your heart in
1: it. We talk about even if
0: you're playing for pride at this point. Yeah.
1: So now do we get to move on to arguably the weirdest game in MLR history or yeah. So you do mean New England,
0: Seattle, correct?
1: N- New York, Seattle. Yes. Uh, sorry. Weird game. New, sorry. Right? Sorry. New Jersey. And. Uh, okay. Seattle. Oh, ha ha ha. I mean, Hela- um, hilarious. No hilarious one's made that joke, joke before. Because they're in New Jersey. Imagine if we called every uh, every sports team based on where they actually played and stuff. Some... Yeah. I mean, the York Arrows probably. It doesn't really have the same ring. Tukaw- was do. it T- Tukawilla Seawolves? I can't remember what that city is. Yeah. Was.
0: Okay, anyway, on to the match itself. Now, just before the game was about to kick off, there was a um, list of changes coming in for New York, including Andrew Coe moving from the bench to fullback after Sam Windsor was ruled out for the game. But, I mean, it worked out well for him because within uh, the first five minutes, Coe had uh, got a try for New York and got them set off. So, It was a very nice try, too. It was a very nice try. A and, great pass from um, O'Connor to put yeah. go through that gap too. Then it was uh, Seattle who got the next try. And uh, say that, it was more a case of like New York just kept infringing at the line. And then as a result, it was a penalty try. Uh, yeah. And then there was uh, Jack Hyten, um had a penalty as well. So it was uh, 10-7 to uh, New York. And then Alatimu got his penalty, and then it was 10-all. Um, and then just on the stroke of halftime, Jack Hayton got his second penalty. And so 13-10 at halftime. And the second half was basically nonstop. Who, who else to score a try for New York but Dylan Fawcett in uh, four minutes after um, halftime? Then it was Dan Creel for Seattle. Then it was Geiger. For New York, and then it was IO Seifo for Seattle. And yeah, you know, at this point, Seattle now have, um, yeah, J- Jack Hyten had only been able to get like the conversion for koe hadn't been able to get it for Fawcett or Geiger. Um, Alatimu had been able to get it for Creel. So it's basically like a one point lead to Seattle. And then we get um, the penalty try. So Rhino Hubs gets a yellow card in the 75th minute. Uh, New York opts to take the scrum. And New York scrum is so powerful, <laughs> it knocks over it knocks. the post. Oh, yeah. On an unrelated note, we also all discovered that this uh, JFK Stadium and the pitch don't actually have any holes in which to put
1: posts in. <laughs> They're all flat. But... Yeah, I guess, I guess that's the first time somebody's run into them all, all year, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, wh- um, when when we say like go for a try
0: underneath the posts, we mean go under the under post. the post. When we mean go under the
1: post, we don't literally mean go under the <laughs> go bottom of it. the post. Go through them. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. Like this was uh like this just felt like just such a bizarre game for just um like just unusual things happening in it. Like there was obviously um that uh at the start of the game where it was like Matthews, I guess didn't understand or know what lines they were playing and tried to like ground the ball in the in goal area and wasn't across the try line. And then Andrew Coe just lit them up. Um, Yeah. There was, there was that Um, later in the game too, like Geiger tried to ground the ball like five meters short of the line yeah like um which was also kind of odd but then like you said you had uh the scrum that goes through like they just drove right through the uh the posts which was a very bizarre sight to see yeah. um uh, and then there's like a fire alarm going off for like the final 15 minutes of the game too uh which yeah just a bit of a unusual unusual contest for sure i don't know if uh i don't know if we have like a ranking of like the strangest games or the strangest things that have happened in mlr games but uh I feel I feel like this, this game is uh is kind of up there. Also, uh New York rocking a um a city jersey as well, conveniently pretty predominantly all black, given yeah. uh, their recent acquisitions. Uh, this was uh Nahalo's first game, and he had he had some decent runs and, um throughout the game, but uh you know, bigger bigger impacts probably uh biggest impact from the outside backs definitely came from Andrew Cove. So uh play he's uh playing really well this year.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know this isn't looking great for Seattle. Obviously, they needed any points they could. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they were within um, striking distance again, like the losing bonus point, but that penalty try just um, gave New York an eight point advantage, which yeah. eliminated them. And now they're going into a bye week, um, mm-hmm. whilst uh, Houston and San Diego still have opportunities to, you know, make up the difference, get ahead of them,
1: and. San Diego's got the worst bye week though cuz they got a they they play Oh yeah, they. they, they that's the, the final one. week too. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh. mean Houston's going to make up their uh, their game in hand on Seattle this weekend. So I guess um if Houston wins, then that's a big that's a big jump um on Seattle who is now um has a similar 7 and 7 record to um, San Diego, but they're one point back of San Diego. Houston's yeah. at eight and five with a game in hand on both of them. So, yeah. um, and, and hey, then you know boy. who Houston's playing. Do I know? Uh, I literally just did the script and looked at the all the matchups. Who are they playing? Are they playing San Diego? No. DC. They're playing DC. Oh, they're playing DC. Oh boy. Yeah, that'd be oh, interesting. Oh boy. All right.
0: All right, we're going to move on to the final game of round 15, which was for the Cali Cup, San Diego versus Los Angeles. Good game. And this was another good game to watch. I was able to catch the highlights of it, and it seems like Joe Peterson, you know, proving that he's a mainstay for Legion Faithful, putting up, I believe it was, 21 points in this match with scoring a try, Uh two conversions, and four penalties. Um, yeah, fantastic. And for, no Canadian scorers in this game for either side, unfortunately. But, um, so Jason, many
1: Canadians in the game, though.
0: That is true. And Let's... Jason Higgins offload to Marnonu, um, send him up for a try, which basically is, uh, is close to a Canadian try. As we're gonna allow. So that was that was my Ma- a- nanu honorary
1: Canadian. For yeah, <laughs> man, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh that was a classic Nanu try, too, man. Just off, off the scrum and then just poor. I mean, Billy Meeks, I think, is one of uh one of the better centers in the league and is very good defensively. But I mean, like, dude, I don't know what you do there. Like you just be like, yeah, Nanu got the ball in four feet away from you. Like you just take the contact and hope he falls down, I guess. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and uh, all five of LA's Canadians featured in this match. Leilalu, um, Iae, Malkin as well and got uh, replaced by Justices Deru. Uh, Lindsay Stevens came off the bench for Tuala at the uh, hour mark. Uh, Corey Thomas played the full 80 and uh, Ben Lesage played up until the second hydration break as well. Um, Michael Smith came on off the bench bench for Chris Robshaw at the 51st minute. Jason Higgins um, also played full and unfortunately uh, Pat Liner and Josh Thiel weren't used uh, by San Diego which is disappointing but you know they they leave not only with the win but also with the Cali Cup as well so yeah it's going to be interesting. LA heading down to Dallas and Legion will be heading east to take on Nola Gold. And right. and as we just mentioned, Legion obviously needing to get uh, the wins yeah, yeah. and the West is uh, wild, man. Wild. The West is so close this year. It's great. Yeah, yeah. and that, that's the thing is, in like you know, we're in the East. We're focused on Toronto, seeing if they'll be able to make the playoffs. But you know, um, the gap between uh, LA in second and Seattle in fifth is eight points. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, any, anything can happen. We've still got three rounds to go. Obviously, as we mentioned, uh, San Diego and Seattle still need to have their bye weeks at some point. And, uh, you know, be interesting to see uh, how this all unfolds. But, sure. yeah, you know, definitely one to watch. All right. Now we need to go national because we are talking about Rugby Lander. And actually, they announced this last week and we just uh, forgot.
1: to mention. We forgot about uh, this one. Yes. We, we forgot
0: to mention, but that's just because yeah. tickets are going on sale after we record it so by the time this is up you'll be able to get your tickets to some of these games and that is Rugby Canada have announced their 15th matches for this summer so this doesn't include the Pacific 4 series this will be Everything happening in July and August. And um, first up, we have the men's 15s. On July 2nd, Canada will play Belgium at the Wanderers' Grounds in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And on July 10th, they will face the French Barbarians for the first time at TD Place in Ottawa. Uh, The women's 15s will be playing a month apart from each game. They will have their first fixture against Italy on July 24th. That will be at Starlight Stadium in Langford, British Columbia. And then on August 27th, Canada will then host Wales, who will um, at the same time be having like a one-week training program in Canada. And that will again be at the Wanderers' Grand at Halifax, Nova Scotia. So by the time you'll listen to this, tickets will be on sale for the men's 15s. And I believe it is a few weeks later that you can get tickets for the women's 15s. So if you are near Halifax, Nova Scotia, Ottawa, Ontario, or Langford, British Columbia, there'll be a chance to see some real Canadian rugby this summer.
1: Yeah. Are we doing a we doing a LaRouge rugby road trip to Ottawa? Or Halifax? Oh, Where are we? Yeah, see.
0: Yeah. Halifax yeah, you, may be a bit out of my stead, but uh, you know, Ottawa, maybe, maybe. The, we'll
1: uh, see. Other thing to, to mention too, obviously um the Pacific Four series that the women are playing in. Um so that's um, you know, starting off in uh June 5th versus the United States, June 12th first uh New Zealand. And June eighteenth versus Australia, all full tournament taking place in New Zealand this year. Um, the women's fifteen side they announced their roster for that tournament as well, so that's up on the Rugby Canada website. Um, so a pretty stacked lineup, man. Lots of uh, you know, lots of uh, Premier fifteen players, lots of uh, unreal Canadian players, um, talent as well. So. Uh, looking forward to seeing them uh, battle um, this summer. And then, you know, when they win the Pacific Four Series, they get to come back home, play those two exciting games, and then go on and uh, dominate the World Cup later this year. So exciting time for uh, women's rugby in, uh, in Canada. Exciting time. We're, we're looking forward to watching those games and reporting on them.
0: It's going to be good to watch. And speaking of Rugby World Cups, it was announced by World Rugby that they have decided on the hosts for the 2025 through to 2033 tournaments. So the Women's World Cup of 2025 will be hosted in England. The Men's World Cups of 2027 and the Women's World Cup of 2029 will be hosted in Australia. And the Men's World Cup of 2031 and the Women's World Cup of 2033 will be hosted in the United States. Woo! Which is fantastic news.
1: USA. USA. Yeah, no, nah. not you know. All right, uh, no, not on this I, I podcast. Some... Come on. <laughs> you know what? This is the this is the one time I'm genuinely excited about USA rugby. Uh, this is uh, this is awesome
0: news. Yeah, um, and actually, something that was announced that the USA plans to expand the men's tournament to 2014 so The women's tournament in 2025 will be expanded to 16, uh, with the possibility of further expansion later. But um, yeah, it's, the USA intends for the tournament to be 24 teams. That doesn't mean that it will just be the uh, men's tournament in 2031. It could even be the 2027 tournament opens up to 24 teams as well. Um, but obviously in 2031, the USA as host will automatically qualify for that tournament. So the question that I have is because of that instance, does that mean that there'll be a smoother qualification process for canada or the americas because not only will the usa take up the slot of hosting but if they expand to 24 teams that means other regions around the world will therefore have more opportunity to qualify it could be you know one more spot for the americas one for um africa one for Asia or the Pacific region and then another slot for Europe as well. So with those opportunities, do you think it'll be
1: less complicated for Canada to qualify for this tournament? Well, I guess, I guess just on the basis of the fact that the United States are going to automatically qualify as the host. Um, it's one less team you have to beat. Right. So yeah, um, that that's obviously a positive. I mean, I know probably ex- um, if the tournament does expand to 24 teams, that's obviously going to open up um, more opportunities to qualify for the world cup too. Right. Cause there's going to be more teams. Um, so, I mean, that's that, if, if they're expanding, if uh, they're expanding, it's in the America's region, which means, you know, w- the host is going to be there. Argentina is probably going to be there. Um, I think so. I mean, yeah, perhaps, uh, perhaps it will be easier. I mean, i i guess uh if you want to take like the super optimistic point of view too is that this is going to be nine years from now so hopefully rugby canada is in a bit of a different spot than they are at this point in time yeah. anyways right like it's been you would you would hope that over the next nine years it's going to be building and you know maybe to the point where it's like hey you don't even necessarily have to worry about qualifying either right like if you can put in uh put in some good tournaments elsewhere and stuff and maybe uh you know, maybe, maybe you can get, maybe like within nine years, you get back to the point of beating teams like Uruguay on a regular basis again. Right. So, you know, that, that, I think that's the hope too. I mean, um, it'd be cool as well. Like um, just, it's going to, honestly, I think it's going to be so cool having the United States hosting the rugby world cup. Um, Just, it'll, it's definitely going to mean a lot more like visibility on the sport in North America. Um, It's a big opportunity for Canada too, especially, um, you know, to get involved in a World Cup that would be so close to home. I know uh, Patrick Johnston, uh, rising action on Twitter. Um, he uh, had a quote from uh, Jamie Levchuk, the interim CEO right now, um, saying that um, he said that we look forward to exploring opportunities with potential host partners in Canada in the years ahead. And Johnston himself added that um, he. Th- he believes that there's uh, already been some talks with USA rugby about possibly hosting some of the matches so maybe you can get a uh, you know get a Toronto or a Vancouver or an Edmonton or Winnipeg or wherever it may be um Halifax or something um you know event or a, a game or a pool stage game or something in Canada that would be cool um if Canada can kind of get involved in that but um i uh yeah. It's a, it's obviously a really big news, man. It's going to be a list of mass, absolutely massive sporting event. Um curious to see uh, the, the list of uh, cities that they had was interesting, obviously a mix of MLR NFL and MLS cities um, and those cities that have the stadiums to accommodate, um, you know, uh, playing, you know, in front of probably like 30 000 to 70,000 people or um, something like that. And I mean, obviously you got some places in the United States too, that, uh, like uh, like the big house in Michigan that's like a hundred and ten thousand people, which might be that might be kind of cool to slam like a you know like a all black spring box game or something in front of just a just a massive massive crowd. That'd be I think that might be a might be a cool thing to do. There's a lot of cool places where you can kind of play games and stuff. Well, there's
0: also the speculation that because these are going to yeah. be held in um, NFL stadia, that um, Some... they'll actually move the tournament earlier.
1: And it's a normal scheduled slot of like September. That's the thing October? though, it's like not even not every NFL stadium though can fit a full size proper rugby pitch. Right. Yeah, that is so true. That there's so... there is that. So I mean I mean, maybe it's something you explore the op- um the possibility of hosting it a little bit earlier, or maybe you just um like I don't know, kick uh who cares? Kick the the, the chargers and the Rams can go on the road for four weeks, it's fine. Like they're, they're they'll they'll be fine. Like it's they'll be they'll they'll be fine. Um, All right, it's going to be
0: a fair while until we see some rugby World Cup action take place south of the border. But if you are looking to watch any rugby this weekend, these are the places you can do so. The HBS HSBC World Series Sevens returns in Toulouse, and you can catch the action from the men's and women's tournaments this weekend on CBC and CBC Gem. It is the final rounds of the Premiership and the United Rugby Championship. And you can catch that on Sportsnet. Uh, Super Rugby Pacific continues on TSN. It is the semifinals of Japan League One. You can find that on the Rugby Network. And you can also find all the non-Arrows games on the Rugby Network as well. And if you are not able to come along to the Arrows match against New England this Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, then you can watch it on TSN. So Derek, we have come to our predictions for round 16, and we start off with Toronto versus New England.
1: First of all, if you can't make it to York Lions Stadium this weekend, you should cancel your other plans, because this game is clearly more important. So come down to York Lions Stadium. Uh, Toronto's going to win. Toronto's going to win. Yeah, that's the thing. Records have to win at some point. the I think... Uh, they're riding a bit of high, riding a bit of a high after last week, and uh, it's going to be the biggest game of the year. And um, I mean, if we know anything about the arrows, is that like they they show up in big games. So, um, looking forward to uh, to seeing them uh, end this illustrious ten game winning streak that the uh, Free Jacks have going right now.
0: Okay, second game we have is DC versus Houston and you know dc they've already been eliminated from playoff contention houston they're currently third and they do have a game in hand as well i think they're gonna want to ensure that they put uh, seattle and san diego behind them as much as possible so i'm gonna go with the Sabercats. cats
1: yeah i i think i gotta agree with you man i think that there, there's there's always something about a about a team that's got a little bit more to play for that um yeah that uh, that'll show up and i mean i mean there's been some upsets in the league this year already but uh yeah i think you got to back houston
0: and okay, the third game this week is
1: dallas versus la Derek, who do you have oh god la the question the, the question isn't who wins this game The question is by how much
0: yeah i mean <laughs> that that's the thing is like if you were to say okay sure la will put in you know like their second team or their team that hasn't um, played much together or hasn't had much game time. Who's that include? Matt Gitar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's going to be. It's going to be. Same, it's incredible. the same as
1: the arrows. Like the arrows rested a lot of guys this week and still destroyed them. Like, it's, yeah. I think like the arrow. Okay, so the 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 bet the betting mm-hmm. line for the arrows game, the spread for the arrows game was plus forty two and a half. So do you think it's going to be? I think higher, it's going to be. Yeah, it's higher be for a plus fifty. 50 or higher. Wow. All right. Fourth game.
0: It is the New Orleans Gold hosting San Diego. Ooh. And, you know, after they finally got a win at home in front of their fans, I know San Diego is going to be in the same position as Houston. They're going to be pushing for that playoff spot. And also, San Diego has more canadians in their squad to choose from and hopefully in this game will actually will play all their canadians i'm going to go with the legion
1: yeah i think uh for the, I, I completely agree with you i mean this this is going to be a boring pick week but uh i, I do agree with you all right we have another West... looking at the next two games it's gonna be a really boring pick week yeah we
0: a western clash of utah versus austin Uh, You know, Utah are now eliminated from playoff contention. Austin sitting pretty at top of uh, the Western Conference. And, you know, I don't think it'll be this game. They've still got a bit of space between themselves and L.A. And they know that L.A. will be facing Dallas and they'll be wanting to ensure that they get the win to continue their gap between um, their cocktail cousins. I'm going to go with Austin.
1: Yeah, again, I agree with you, man. Austin's better than Utah. they got more to play for right now. I'll keep rolling with Austin, too. And uh, I feel like we're going to lean the same way on this game.
0: Yeah, because this is the Eastern clash that could very well help or hinder the Arrows substantially. Yeah. It is New York versus Atlanta.
1: I mean, uh, New York at home, New York's been playing well. Um, who knows there could be like, by the time, by the time this game happens, there might be seven all blacks in their lineup. Um, <laughs> so, uh, who knows? Um, yeah, I think, I think you gotta go. I think I'm going to take New York, um, for, you know, just cause they are playing really well right now. They're getting some reinforcements and honestly, like, I think it might be the better outcome for the arrows if Atlanta loses. So I'm I'm gonna put the uh, that energy in the air that because uh, yeah, like it's uh it it'd be better to have uh have one t- one team in reach, I guess, than have two teams that are you know seven touching points away, up. Yeah. yeah, so let's go. I'll, uh, hopefully uh, Andrew Cole giving us given his uh his hometown team a little bit of help this week would be nice. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is completely boring because yeah, we picked uh, the point. same teams. But, yeah. you know, yeah, this is the head and the heart pick for me. As in, my heart wants New York to win so that um, they can help the Arabs as much as possible. But also New York have just been on a tear at the moment. And Atlanta, you know, I think this is the third game on the bounce that they've lost. But also what I'm hoping is that New York will... Do to Atlanta what they did to it. Seattle. is like, yeah, we'll keep you close. We'll keep you close to a
1: losing bonus point. Boom! Try, you get nothing. There you go. <laughs> I think uh, is this the first week we've picked the same teams unanimously? This season, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Damn.
0: So those are Derek's picks and those are my picks. But if you're looking for the Toonies picks, you can find them on our TikTok account at the Rouge Rugby. You can find us across social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Rouge Rugby. And if you like listening to this episode of the podcast, you can listen to others on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. And if you like watching our beautiful faces, you can find our podcast episodes in their entirety on our YouTube channel. Derek, where can people find you on social media?
1: Uh, at Percept the Jet across all social media platforms.
0: And you can find myself across social media, but mainly on uh, Facebook and Twitter at Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me. And thank you all for joining us for another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. We'll hope you can join us again next time.